Hey everyone, thank you for tuning in to the New Birth Podcast. There's a word of hope for you today and we are excited for what God is doing here at New Birth. For more information, visit our website, nbplaceofhope.com. Now for the message by our senior pastor, Gabby Mejia. We are, we are on week three of our sermon series and um, if you're here for the first time, um, you're right towards the final stage of our sermon series for this month. Um, and what we're speaking on... <clears throat> Uh, stems out of this thing. We've been saying this for the past two years since we started. Every time we uh, we honor God with our giving, we say this pledge. We understand and agree that tithing is an act of obedience, an attitude of the heart, an expectation of the harvest, a reflection of our Creator, and an opportunity for God's grace. We covenant with God and each other to faithfully give 100% of our tithes. And it comes to a point that we re- we memorize what we say, but we don't understand what we're saying. And so we wanted to just take this entire month to just... Uh, analyze and go over what it is that we say every single Sunday. But the good thing about this is, is that we're doing it in a way that we all understand comprehensively and collectively. The other is, uh, we're not going to be addressing money when we preach. We feel that, I feel, personally speaking, that um, y'all don't come here to hear about money. Y'all come here about Jesus. Um, And so I will always lift up Jesus from this altar. Um, we will have sessions and settings that will deal with finances as far as stewardship and what have you. But I feel that people come to hear a word from the Lord. Amen? Amen. But what I want to do is take that declaration of faith that we say every Sunday and we want to contextualize so that the next time you repeat that phrase, you understand what you're saying. Week one, we talked about uh, the two elements of, the, of that uh, statement, which is understand and agree. And we talked about the power of unity and the power of comprehension. Or of unity and the power of understanding. I think that if there's something the church needs to have to be a catalyst in its context, the church needs to work united. We have to be united, which means to be in agreement, to be in as one people. And then the other element is to understand the element of knowing meat every Sunday. I think the power of the church derives in the unity and in understanding. It wasn't up until the, the book of Acts chapter 2. The Bible says two things happened prior to the church launching and being effective by the power of the Holy Spirit. Number one, they were all together, unity. Number two, they were in one accord, They had one mind. They had one understanding. And I feel that if we're going to change, if we're going to impact, if we're going to be a light, we as a church have to understand and we have to agree. Um, And so that's what we talked about week two. Week one. Week two, we talked about uh, how do I manifest that? And then we talked about an act of obedience and an attitude of the heart. Whenever operate in unity and whenever we understand that understanding and that unity forces us to respond and so not not only do we know some stuff not only do we need to be together but now we need to act in obedience the bible says that god told his people that he prefers obedience over sacrifice he wants us to obey. He wants us to live a life of obedience, which at the end of the day, your obedience exhibits the attitude of your heart. 
Your obedience exhibits your character. If you are a person that does not like to obey, whether it's rules, whether it's at work coming early, whether it is standards, your disobedience exhibits your attitude. Your disobedience exhibits your character. You don't have to tell me you're anointed. Just by not coming to church on time tells me. Ah, nobody's happy. Okay. All right. Okay. Your obedience reflects your character. Your obedience speaks louder than anything you do. Why? Because it is in obeying somebody you are saying, I am going to reduce myself from doing what I want to be able to follow those instructions. And that requires humility. That requires a right attitude. That requires character. I told you last week, I have a friend. Never finished Bible school because every time he would go to Bible class, he felt he knew more than the teacher, so he would drop out. That's a poor character spirit. But a person with the right heart will always obey and be obedient, which is why Philippians chapter 2 tells us that the greatness of Jesus' character is exemplified in his obedience to the Father. He said, for he thought it not robbery to be equal to God, but he reduced himself to the form of a servant and became a slave. That word slave is doulos. He became a slave and he became a slave towards death and death on the cross. Why did he die on the cross? Because of obedience to his father. But his obedience, Paul says in chapter 2, that because he died on the cross, God gave his son a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess. So Jesus' greatness is accompanied by the power of his be surprised how great you would be if you only obey. You'd be surprised how your marriage will be great if you only obey. You'd be surprised how great God would use you if you make it your life's purpose to live a life of obedience because obedience takes you to greatness. So that's what we talked about week one, week two. This week, we're going to talk about expectation of the harvest. I cannot expect anything from God if I'm not obedient. I cannot expect anything from God if I, don't, if I don't live a life in agreement with God's standard, if I don't live a life in agreement with his word, if I don't live a life in obedience and I manifest the heart of God in my life, it is impossible for me to expect anything out of disobedience. So today we're going to talk about the expectation of harvest. And for that, I want to talk a little bit about the law of retribution. What is the law of retribution? The law of retribution is that whatever you reap, you're going to sow. Whatever you reap is the end of what you sow. Whatever you sow, put it this way, you're going to reap. I'm going to say it again. Let me rewind that. Whatever you sow, you're going to harvest. My marriage is crazy. Your marriage is crazy is what you're receiving. Pastor, nobody likes me. Nobody likes you is what you're harvesting. Pastor, I'm always broke. Your broke status is your harvest. 
And many times we live life complaining how bad our harvest is. My question to you is, what are you sowing? Because whatever you're getting is because you're sowing. So if you're reaping a bad marriage, maybe you're sowing a bad attitude. If you're reaping horrible finances, maybe you're spending too much money in Millennia and Florida Mall. If, if, if you're bad in relationships, maybe you got to stop, you got to start controlling your tongue so that when you speak, you speak truth and that love can bring you a harvest of friends. <laughs> Sowing and reaping is an irrevocable law. You cannot expect to sow an apple seed and get oranges. It's impossible. You cannot expect to sow bitterness in people and then want to call you, hang out with you, and love you. You cannot expect to be unfaithful in your marriage and expect a happy wife. Because whatever you sow, you will reap. That's irrevocable law. And that applies church Goers, non-church goers, this is an irrevocable law. Whatever you sow, you're going to reap. The other thing I want to say is, is that the only way you expect something, right, is if you sow. The only way you expect something, I cannot look at a pot of dirt and expect every day, I can't wait for a plant, I can't wait for a plant, and I never put a seed on the plant, uh, on the pot. I could water that dirt till I'm 50. If I don't put a seed in that joint, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> I bind the spirit of marijuana. I bind the spirit of intox. <laughs> this is what I'm saying. The only way you can expect something is if you sow it. But you know what many of us like to do? We like to reap the benefits of other people's soul. If you sow in your life, you will reap in your life. But if you don't sow in your life, you will never reap. You know, people say, oh, Pastor, can you give me a word? I ain't giving you no word. Sow. <laughs> Pastor, Pastor, give me a word. I want a word from the Lord. Pastor, I, I, don't, I left my church because of my old church. I never get a word. Well, if you start sowing a life of prayer, if you start sowing, I promise you, you don't need nobody to tell you because if you sow prayer, you will hear from the Lord. Sow in your life to reap in your life. It's like, it's like yeah, I don't know about you guys, but it's like people. We go, you know, after service, we hang out, we go eat, you know, you know. I, 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 don't, I don't know about you guys, but, but, but I've met in my life cheap people. Anybody know anybody cheap? Every time the bill comes, they got to go to the bathroom. I don't know about that. Cheap people. Go to a restaurant, everybody's out in the restaurant going out to eat, bada bing, bada bomb. You know, and, and usually when, it, when there's a group, the waiter says, um, 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 are we going to split the check or... Or, you know, 
right? And so everybody's there, and everybody's there, right? And while everybody's there, the waiter comes and says, what do you want to have for appetizer? And no, okay, I, I'm going to get the chicken wings, and you're going to get the mozzarella sticks, and you're going to get the, 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 the loaded fries, and you're going to get uh, this and that. And everybody there. But there's that stingy person that he says, no, I don't want nothing. I just want a bottle of water <laughs> with lemon, Right? And so, and so, and so, and so, but, every, but every, everybody's talking and everybody's, hey, hey, I'll put in the chicken, uh, the chicken wings and I'll put in the mozzarella and everybody's chipping in. But this person does nothing. He's just there laughing and carrying on. Talking about, ha, 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 ha. And when the food comes, he's taking off everybody's appetizers. And, and this is how they play it off. Mm, is, is, is that barbecue? No, let me, let me see. Let me. <laughs> Mmm. I never tasted that before. How does it taste? Let me, let me, let me. And he's eating everybody's appetizers. He's eating everybody's appetizer. And then when the waiter comes to say, so what is going to be your main course? Everybody opens a steak. Somebody gets shrimp. Somebody gets lobster. Somebody gets hamburgers. He says, no, I don't want nothing. I'm stuffed. <laughs> this person ate off of everybody's meal. Didn't chip in a penny. And now everybody got to pay the bill for this person that all he did was pick off everybody else's appetizers. And this is the hand-me-down mentality that we sometimes have even in the church. We come to church and we want the worship team. Come on, come on, tear it up, Lulu. <laughs> and you pick off of that. And you pick off the message. And you pick off the coffee. And you pick off the source. And you pick, and you pick, and you pick. My question to you is, when are you going to order for yourself? And when are you going to be a catalyst to change your world? This mentality is that does nothing in the church except Take everybody's selections. Takes advantage of every. So now, so now, you can't expect to reap a harvest if all you do is pick over everybody else's food. You can't expect God to bless you if all you do is take advantage of the atmosphere here to say, I had a great time, I felt the Lord. No, you can feel the Lord in your brokenness. You can feel the Lord in your marriage. You can feel the Lord in your pain, but you gotta pay the price, sow your seed to reap your harvest. Now, 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 let me just say this. The thing about sowing, it looks a lot like something else we do. And I want to talk a little bit about the difference between sowing and burying. When you bury something and when you sow something, it looks like you're doing the same thing. When you bury something, you have to dig a hole. When you're planting a seed, you have to dig a hole. When you bury something, you have to take something outside and put it in. When you sow, you have to take something outside and put it in. When you bury, you have to take the dirt you dug and you have to put it back on its place. When you sow, you have to take the dirt you dug and you have to put it back in its place. The difference between burying and sowing is the reaction that it does as a result of how you feel. Burying is going to cause you to cry, cause you to be bitter, cause you to be nostalgic, cause you to be depressed. Sowing is going to create a spirit of expectation, a spirit of anticipation, and a spirit of a harvest. 
Now, 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 if you don't, if you don't know what, if I'm with a burrier and I'm with a sower and you're at it, it looks like we're doing the same thing, but it's not the same thing. That's why there are people that come to church and they're in the same environment, in the same soil, digging a hole and they leave with no harvest and you leave with a blessing. Listen to me. Burying only occurs when something is dead. Sowing occurs because something dead is coming back to life. Burying does not require maintenance. Dig a hole, put them in, bury it, go. Sowing requires constant watering, constant care, constant pursuit, constant supervision. Burying produces nostalgia. Sowing produces hope anticipation, expectation, and a harvest. So your outcome in life, your outcome in life is going to tell you whether you are burying or whether you are sowing. That's why it's impossible, church, to expect a harvest that is buried. Look what Paul says. Paul, Paul. The writer of Galatians, he, he, he writes, he doesn't write to, you know, neophytes. He doesn't write to, to, to anti-God people. He writes to the church, the church of Galatia, full of the Holy Spirit. The church in Galatia spoke in tongues. The church of Galatia knew the Bible from cover to cover. Well, from Genet- the Torah. The, the, church of, the, the church of Galatia, they had the, the, the religious practicum full throttle. But the problem with this church he addresses an issue in the church in Galatia, which, by the way, chapter 5 of, 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 of Galatians deals with the works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit and all that. And I preach that another day. But look what he says in Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 and 8. He's talking to a Christian church filled with the Holy Spirit. Look what he says. He says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. So whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. But whoever sows to please the spirit, from the spirit will reap eternal life. Notice, notice. God says, hey, hey, you can't trick me. I know your heart. I know the intentions of your heart. You could fake the funk in church, but I know. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8, he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the spirit is because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. He knows your heart. He knows. And since he knows, since, since God, listen, 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 uh, listen. God knows sowers because God is a sower. In the Garden of Eden, he created the earth. And in the earth, he planted in the garden, Adam. God knows what a sower is different from a burrier. And God is saying, God is saying, don't get it twisted. Maybe they might not know that you're burying a thing, but since I'm a planter and I'm a sower, I can differentiate. The, I, 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 I can tell the difference between a barrier and a planter. He says, don't get it twisted. God cannot be mocked. Whatever you reap, you're going to sow. So my question to you is, what are you sowing? And then as a result of that is, expect to reap exactly what you're sowing. Now, some of us in church, we are reaping bad things, bad things. Some of us, bad things. Somebody say amen. Amen. 
And the reason why you're reaping bad things is because you've sown bad things. You know, many people feel that when they come to Christ, you know, I came to Jesus, so all of my problems are going to go away, and, and I ain't going to, and, and everything's going to be a, a, a clean slate. No, you're going to come to Jesus, and you still have to visit your parole officer. You're going to come to Jesus, and you still got to pay child support. You, you, coming to Jesus don't mean that God's going to delete your file from the child support agency. Coming to Jesus don't mean that now, now, now you don't have to go see a person. No, no, no. It means that now in Christ, Christ is going to give you the capacity to start sowing new things again. Now, while you're reaping the bad things you sow, you have to, while you're reaping pain, you have to start sowing good things so that when this harvest of pain is over, you can reap a harvest of blessing. He says, don't get it twisted. Everything you sow, you're going to reap. Whoever sows to please the flesh, well, you're going to reap destruction. But I like this text. Says, but whoever sows to please the spirit, from the spirit will reap eternal life. I'm glad that he don't say you're going to reap a house. You're going to reap a man. Or you're going to reap a car. Or you're going to reap things. Because, because those of us that sow our reward. Listen, I don't serve God to get a brand new house. I don't serve God to get a plaque at the end of the year. I don't serve God to stand before people and get, and get rec recognition and notoriety. That's not why I do what I do. I do what I do because on that day, I want to hear from the Lord when he says, good and faithful servant. You were faithful in the little, I'm going to put you in much. I don't serve to get applauses. I serve because I want eternal life. I don't want to, I'm not serving because I want to get an accolade. I want to serve because I want to make it to heaven. And I want to go to heaven. And I want everlasting life. And if I start sowing now, I will reap in eternity things that ears haven't heard, eyes haven't seen, nor enter the heart of man. That's what I want. But I got to start sowing now. And, and then to get, it, to, get it, to get it straight, Jesus speaks on expectation. He speaks on expectation. And look what he says. He gives a parable. Matthew 25 talks about the five were wise and five were foolish and they had oil. And, and, and we think that that parable has to do with virginity. No. No. The entire chapter 25 of Matthew has to do with the law of sowing and reaping has to do with your character. This is, a, this is a chapter that God uses through Christ, parables to show us the character of a person that sows or buries. And now he's going to give us a description of how he perceives this thing to be. Look what he says. Matthew 25, verse 14 through 19, 29. It says, again. Somebody say again. again. That means that he was talking about this. Again. The kingdom of heaven, I know the NIV doesn't say that, but, but if you read the King James Version, it says the kingdom of heaven is like. A kingdom of heaven is like, and I want to I stop on that phrase because some of us, we have a misconception of what the kingdom of heaven is going to look like. You know, we, 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 we think, oh, when I go to heaven, you know, there's going to be bird, uh, uh, little angels with feathers on their back and, and, and arrows. <laughs> That's not heaven. You know, we get to heaven, we're going to have a halo, and, 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 I'll, I'll say, and Beyonce singing, halo, 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 that's not going to happen in heaven. She got to get saved first. Can I get an amen? That's not the kingdom of heaven. 
Some of us, we have a wrong picture of the kingdom of heaven. But Jesus is going to tell us, if you read your King James Version, he says, and the kingdom of heaven is like this. He says, if you want to know what the kingdom of heaven looks like, he says, it's like this. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called the servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one, he gave five bags of gold. To another, two bags. And to another, one bag. This is key. Each according to his ability. And then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gave five bags more. So also, the one with two bags came to more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole, looks like he's sowing, dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, God was giving him a chance to get things right. After a long time, the master of those servants returned to settle accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought another five. Master, he said, you entrusted me five bags of gold? See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Wow. But look what it says. Then the man with two bags of gold came as well. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two, and now I've gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. Check this out. Verse 24. The man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I know. First of all, let me just say this. Let me just say this. The first guy received the most bags of gold. The one who only had one came last. I thought that the one who had more, it would have been justified had he come late because he has a lot to do. Right? But the one that only had one was the last one that showed up. Because typically people who don't do nothing for the kingdom are always the complainers, the haters, the don't do nothing in the church. But when your hands are filled in the kingdom, you ain't got no time. You're working and working and working and serving and serving. But the guy who did nothing with his stuff showed up late. And he says, look what he says, look what he tells him. Then the man who received one bag of gold came and said, Master, I know you're a hard man. You know what he just called this guy? He called him stingy. The translation is that you stingy. Now, if I'm this guy, you calling me stingy? Dude, I just gave you a bag of gold. But the thing is, people that are like this guy, even when they get a blessing, they complain about it. People like this guy cannot appreciate God's favor. Don't appreciate God's grace. Don't appreciate. That's why they got a blessing and they, oh, you gave me this one. You didn't give me that one. But why, God, you gave it to me too late. It's too long. What am I going to do at 7 o'clock at night? I can't go to church at 7 o'clock at night. And I want to say, I'm too tired. I came out of work 40 hours. No, 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 no. You need to understand that God will always give you in the measure that you can handle. If you got one bag of gold, do the best with your bag of gold and don't compete and don't fight. Be faithful in your sowing so that you can reap. He said, I know you're a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered. So I was afraid. Now he goes justifying himself. I was afraid and went out and hid your gold, you know, in the ground. So see, here what belongs to you. Toma, para que no trae más. This is the kingdom of God. 
His master replied, you wicked. He called him wicked. He didn't call him slacker. He didn't call him procrastinator. He called him wicked. God interprets your laziness as an act of wickedness. Because how can you have everything I've given you and do nothing with it? You're a bad person. How can you have everything I've given you and do nothing with it? How, I give you a job. I've given you resources. And not once have you tithed. I've given you finances. I've given you resources. Pastor Gabby asked for the poor. And not once have you given a penny. How dare you, after I give you all the things that I give you, you blame me for your mess. You're wicked. You're wicked. Look what he says. Lazy servants, so you knew that I, that, I, that I harvest where I have not sown, and I gather where I have not scattered. Well, then, you should have put the money on deposit with the bankers so that when I return, I would have received at least with interest. Look what he says. Conclusion. This is the kingdom. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten. For whoever has will be given more. And they will have an abundance. But whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken. When you don't tithe, God, listen, when you don't tithe, God's going to get his money. But you now, now, you, now you got out of left field, your car breaks down. God said, okay, what you got, take it away. Oh, you don't want to go over your tithe? Okay. Pop his size. Bam. Pop, 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 pop. He says, he says, because you did not be, because you did not sow, even what you got, I'm gonna take it away. Pastor, you know what I'm talking about. Listen, I know what you're talking about. My wife and I, years ago, 1994-95, we sat in front of my pastor's office and I said, Pastor, and I look like a minister. Pastor, I can't afford to tithe. And I gave him my reasons. We had baby, how many credit cards? 1.2 million? How many? We, 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 listen. Listen, we had, we had about 30 credit cards. I had a brand new car, paying almost $600 a month, and my insurance in New York was another five, dollars $600. I had, I, had, I, had, I had all credit cards. Let me tell you the credit cards I had. I had Gap credit card. I had J. Crew credit card. I, I, I was looking, man, Mac, Mac Daddy at church about. <laughs> and all I had in my pockets was receipts and bills. That's what. <laughs> And I come with my religious self, say, Pastor, I can't afford to tithe. He said, he said, Gabby, let me help you. I'll help you. Let me help you. So I went to his office. He said, bring me all your bills. I came to my office. I went to his office. I, you know, I came home with all my stuff. He said, okay, these credit cards, since you spend them, you got to pay. Because Christianity does not mean escapism. You, you got in that debt? Brother, you're going to pay for that debt. I said, okay, that's what I want to do. Let's break a bonfire. The Holy Spirit burns there. You're good. No. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the mentality. That's the mentality of, 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 the, of the dude of the appetizer. Okay? He says, okay. All right. You got to pay this. You got to pay your rent. You got to pay your credit cards. But there's a little item here that I see you could give in. And that's that $600 a month car thing you got there. It was a brand new car. I had that car maybe three months. Brand new car. It smelled new. It was just beautiful. He says, says, Gabby, you want to honor God? I said, Pastor, I want to honor God. Yes, I do. He said, okay, go to the dealership and return the car 
which is $600 a month, with your insurance, that's another $500, that's over $1,200 a month. If you want to honor God, return the car. I'm like, devil is a lie. <laughs> so I left the office. That was not what I wanted to hear. That was not the word I wanted from the Lord. Because then we, that, 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 you know, we, we have a habit of justifying our psychoticness. So, so, so the week after that meeting, I was going to a men's retreat in Tampa. I was living in New York. I was going to a men's retreat in Tampa, TDJ's conference, and I had all my friends going to meet in my brand new car. We were going to drive for the Lord because then we take what we don't honor God with to try to do things that honor God to justify. Yeah, I don't want to talk about it. Come on, let's go in my brand new van. We're going to go have some church. You know what happened? We all got in the van, my brand new van, three months. You know what happened? My car, my van wouldn't turn on. Clack, 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 You know what? I, we, ended up, we ended up going to Florida in, a, in one of them Greyhound buses <laughs> with a brand new car parked in my garage. When I came back from that conference, I went to the dealer. I gave him the key. I said, I, I, I can't do this. He's like, Mr. Mejias, you don't understand. If you return the car, that's considered a repossession. That's going to affect your credit. We're going to take that van, we're going to sell it, and the difference of that van, we're going to garnish your check. I said, I can't. You don't understand this, but God told me I can't do this. And you know what? How many months were we carpooling in church? It was my wife and my three kids in a Volvo with a brother of our church, his wife, and three kids. Now imagine six people in a Volvo on a Sunday, on a Wednesday, a Sunday, Tuesday, and Thursday on a Volvo. You know the embarrassment that I felt? I had my, daughter, my daughter's car seat on my lap. My wife had her car seat on her lap. And Jonathan, we threw in the trunk. <laughs> it's a joke. For like five months. For like, but I tell you this, I tell you this. I didn't feel every time it was time to give to the Lord. I felt, was so, I felt so grateful and so that I was able to be able to give. And I was giving. And as I was giving, there was an expectation of harvest. I said, Lord, I know you're going to bless me. And I don't know how it's coming. But I'm just thankful that you gave me an opportunity to be able to. So let me tell you, not only did I get a car shortly after, but after that, a couple of years ago, the Lord, the Lord, this year, the Lord gave me a car. You know that little BMW? I got the little gray BMW I got. That little BMW was a brother of the church from the church and, and he came to the office in a meeting and I looked at that car. Wow, that's my favorite car. I love that car. Oh my God, I love that car. You know, convertible, you know, me and my wife, convertible black, I mean gray, convertible, bam, but I mean but I'm out. And I wow. And when I was having this conversation with this guy, there were some men in the church that were looking at the conversation and they were looking at my expectation. If I wish I could have that car. And you know what? After that conversation, those guys got together and they raised the money and they gave me the car. January this year I got that car brand I didn't have to pay a penny because when you sow, when you sow, so when did I pay for that car? I paid for that car when I gave up my car to honor God. Listen to me. You cannot expect the harvest if you're not willing to sow a seed. And I'm closing with these five points. And all these five points, we want to talk about them in hope groups. You don't want to miss hope groups for nothing in the world. Five lessons we learned from this parable. Number one. This parable teaches us that success is the product of your work. Don't expect to be successful if you don't work at it. 
Pastors tell me all the time, Pastor, man, how do you do this? You got a church in Port Ritchie, church in Poinciana, church in Kissimmee. Nine pastors joined us. How do you do this? Well, I'm up at 5, not even, I'm up at 3.40 in the morning every day. I'm praying. I'm seeking God's direction. I'm busy. I work out of school. This doesn't happen just because God put a little halo over my head. No, you want to be successful, you got to work at it. Number two, the parable of the talents teach us that God always gives us everything we need to do what he has called us to do. If you are not reaping anything, you cannot blame God. The question is, what are you doing with what God gave you to do? Some of us aren't doing anything with what because we want more. But the problem is the Bible says you have to be faithful in the little in order to get much. Start off by coming early to a leadership meeting. Start early. Start, start off by replying to a message we send you from the church. It's as simple as that. Start off by being on time at your job. Start, start off by not robbing pencils from your office. Start off by not taking extra time on your lunch break. The kingdom of God is like that. If you, if you sow irresponsibility, you will reap irresponsible people. Number two, God always gives us everything we need to do what he's called to do. Number three, this parable teaches us that we are not created equal. There's no spirit of competition here. We all have different roles, and we should not be jealous, upset, and bitter of the ne person next to me. Number four, the parable teaches us that we are, that we work for the master, not for our own selfish purposes. You got what you got to do God's purpose, not for your selfish ambition. And number five, the talent teaches us and shows us that we will be held accountable. So we understand and agree that tithing, my life, uh, when I give my life, that's an act of tithe. That tithing is an act of obedience. That's what God wants, which reflects the attitude of the heart. Then we can get ready for an expectation of the harvest. And then tomorrow we're going to hear, next Sunday we're going to hear about reflection of our creator. See, as I expect and I have this harvest, I got to deal with this the way my creator is. I have to become with my harvest a reflection of my creator. As God gives me this, how do I reflect Christ in my harvest? How do I reflect the kingdom of heaven with what God, call it marriage, call it children, call it family, call it whatever. I have to become a reflection of our creator and then become an opportunity for God's grace. Get up on your feet. I want to pray. I want to pray for salvation. I feel there's someone here that needs to make a decision today to sow your heart in the hands of God. God don't want us to be buriers any longer. He wants us to be sowers. We hope this message has inspired you. As a place of hope, our church is committed to reach our community. If you'd like more information about New Birth, visit our website at nbplaceofhope.com.